Hi everyone and welcome to the episode 2 of How Real Life Works. In this episode, we're going to talk about the teacher's view for online learning. Yeah, if you thought that you had it difficult with adjusting to remote learning, then wait to hear this episode. We talked to Damon, a high school teacher, and you will see how the teachers struggled as well to adapt to online learning. You know, some of them are quite old and they are <laughs> not the best friends with technology, so some of them struggled just to connect online. Yeah, that's true. And aside from connecting to online, there was also challenges when it comes to adapting and changing your materials to online learning. You can't just migrate the whole thing you did in the classroom to the online environment. And furthermore, we also discussed the pros and cons of online learning as well as online teaching. And we provided some tips for you. Yeah, in this episode, you will hear the perspective of a teacher. But if you're interested in finding out how the students see the whole thing with COVID, check out episode one with Nita, who happens to be a student of Damon, by the way. But in the meantime, please enjoy this episode with Damon and be sure to subscribe and follow us. Welcome everyone to season two of How Real Life Works. Today, we're here with our guest Damon. Of course, I'm Annie and we have Andre on the line as well. Hello, hello. Hi there. Damon is a teacher that works at Vancouver. So we're, we invited Damon here today pretty much to talk a little bit about remote learning, especially during the pandemic, since the learning environment has shifted to online. So we wanted to chat a little bit about that. But before we kind of get into that, maybe let's go to the start of the pandemic when the school maybe announced that we got to um, move the learning to online. How did the teachers react to this change? We threw our hands up in the hair. We pulled our hair out and said, oh, well, it's over. The end is nigh. <laughs> well, we, it, it, we were uh, apprehensive, of course. It's a big change going from uh, being somebody who, you know, works with kids in a classroom to try to duplicate um, that environment in an online format. And it's a lot of teachers have really, really good people skills. But um, like me, they, they sometimes get frustrated and find um, the technical aspects of, of doing things online quite challenging. So it's been a big learning curve. Um, and it's been a, also a big learning curve for kids. It's pretty frustrating. There's a lot of challenges uh, that they are experiencing as well as that we're experiencing. So do you think there are people who actually prefer to learn remotely? And also like when it comes to teachers, do, you, do, do some of your colleagues say that, okay, I prefer this actually more because I can just do it from my bedroom? I, I find the opposite. I think that teachers by and large uh, prefer in-person teaching. I don't. I think it's really impersonal being online. I think for some kids and for some courses, online learning is the way to go. But I think for I think it does a really poor job serving the the educational needs of students. You know, full stop. Um, for a couple of reasons. Number one, if you look even pre pre COVID, if you look at uh, completion courses uh, delivered in an online format. Um, the completion rate is is pretty abysmal, like less than half the students that actually signed up. Matter of fact, I think it's more like a quarter of the students who sign up for online courses actually complete their courses. And if that's the benchmark that we sort of gauge our, our online education, um, then I think that that's a pretty poor indication of where we're at. And I don't think that's necessarily a fault of the system. I just think it's the, uh, the fault of the format. If If somebody like you, Andre, is really motivated to learn something about programming, you don't need me. 
You don't need a teacher. All you need is, is a Google search engine and maybe a, cute, a few key mentors in the field that'll steer you in the right direction. I can't stop you from learning that which you want to learn. But if I was to say, hey, Andre, here's the tax code. I want you to go learn how to file a, a tax, you know, a tax return. You'd be like, no, I can't do it. <laughs> so it's about motivation, I think. And I think that being online, it's tough. Like I, I have a difficult time uh, telling kids that they should be really, really interested in uh, middle age armor design for for um, for knights in the you know in Europe. And if I'm in person, I can I can. <laughs> be a little bit more enthusiastic about it and it seems to come across but when I say we're social animals I think uh, there's something that's um, undeniable attract undeniably attractive about just uh, looking at the energy that somebody is able to exude in their body language and all of that unwritten communication that or all that uh, unspoken communication that happens that's connected to, uh, to what we're saying but it's completely lost if, uh, you know, I'm just sending out a PowerPoint on Teams. A PowerPoint in person is bad. A PowerPoint on Teams is the worst. <laughs> it's even worse. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, um, I don't think we mentioned that you teach primarily 8 to 12 grades and also on the subject of like history. History was one of my favorite subjects growing up because it's always fun. It seems like the teachers are just telling you, <laughs> Andre is like... I'm like complete uh, opposite, yeah. Are you, Andre? I, I hate it in history. Maybe it's the method. So my teachers, they were always like making it really fun. They're like telling stories. And I thought it was just like the way they captured these stories is so enriching. So when they test me on it, I was like, oh, yeah, that's the part where the this person goes and want, wins the battle and stuff like that. And now that you just mentioned motivation, I wonder, like, how does that actually, how do you motivate? Um, like, maybe let's say eighth grade, like they just, you know, start at high school and doing this subject. And then they're like, it's all all super new to them. Yeah, what I what I find awesome about uh, kids and this is connects to how I try to teach. What I find awesome about them is the things they geek out on, the things that they love. And I find that a really important strategy for teachers is to figure out the things kids are passionate about. If you can figure out what they like, you can go from there and take them anywhere you want. I've got a, a student who <laughs> who is really into um, shield design. I know it sounds bizarre, but but I, That's cool. <laughs> I, I came, we decided one day in class, and this was like a week before spring break, that uh, I just needed something for the kids to do that was project based because I had report cards to do and I needed to, to do triage with my time and I was freaking out. So I said to the kids, I'll tell you what, let's go to the loading bay. We'll load up on cardboard and whatever recycled materials we can find. And I'm going to get you guys to build armor and we're going to go outside and we'll do LARPing at the end of the week. Wow live action role playing and I was going to just uh, redo the, the Battle of Hastings and so <laughs> most of my kids are like that's kind of dumb and then uh, <laughs> but then but then the more they got they into it, doing it they yeah. got they got into it and then I, I looked and, and I was watching what was happening as I was ignoring them at the front of the classroom doing my report cards madly while you know supervising them sort of while they were <laughs> while they were working away and I realized that uh, this was the most important thing that happened all year long to, to one of these students. He took the shield home. He was using duct tape and he made like a full on Roman style um, centurion shield. 
And this thing was a work of art. And I said, this is remarkable. Uh, uh, how long did it take you to do? He's like, oh, I spent like 20 hours this week on it and just totally went crazy about it. And so what I realized that, and that's a really good example, is that if you find out what kids are passionate about, you just nurture that, you build on it, and you can take them absolutely anywhere. And so if you have that same enthusiasm where there's things about history that I love and that I, I'm crazy about, and I, I'm a storyteller, and so I, I naturally just just you know tell stories about things that happen in history and if you make those connections between this is what i'm passionate about and that's what you're passionate about i just find you it, it, something really remarkable happens and that for me is learning you take uh something that's that's old at least in terms of a, a cognitive concept that kids have and you add new things whether it's you know armor design or <laughs> The significance of the Battle of Hastings, it doesn't matter. The point is that we're just making meaning together. Earlier, you were talking about, when I asked you about adjusting to remote, what I heard was that you were mainly focusing on how you're going to create the connection with the students, like how you can transfer that and do it remotely. But how did you actually then also adjust the material to somehow, or are you just using the actual textbooks and just talking to people through Teams? I, I've done a variety of different things. I've taken a few pictures of text, the text and had some questions. I post simple assignments for the kids and that's sort of for younger grade levels. For the older students, I will you know, send them YouTube links and I'll have them respond by creating a video file or you know, writing a, a short one page essay. But the idea is really to condense content like it, it, there's no point in having a a 40 page powerpoint or you know 40 slide powerpoint where you, you show kids all of the the relative detail that they need it, it's it's pointless the 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 really the art of harnessing online education i think is just taking something that's very broad and narrowing it down to its essential essential element and if you can do something that's kind of fun and cool along the way that's great i decided that when i was at home in um in quarantine, I was going to start experimenting with movie editing. So I was making like these, I had these, these clips, they're called dispatches from the COVID home front. And I sent them out to my kids and it was just, it was fun. Right. Um, and hopefully for some of them, it was meaningful. And if not, it was just served to keep me occupied. <laughs> I think we all just have to figure out how to get through this. Right. And try to do the best to make positive learning experiences for kids. Yeah, I was wondering when you uh, when when the all of the things went on uh, online in this process, what do you think was the most difficult thing for um, for you from your perspective to adapt to the new system? For me, it was uh, putting content out there. I found that just taking what I normally do in class, which is narrative based, story based, and trying to condense that into something that's easily digestible and, and a, a word file. It's just, it was a lot of, um, I don't want to use the word drudgery, but it just wasn't the funnest part of my job. I really liked it when, when kids, when I could teleconference with kids and I could, we could just talk. Um, but I also found that frustrating because, uh, whenever I scheduled a class time to meet, there would be some kids and there would always be like the really high performing kids who would, would always be there. But the kids that struggled the most that paradoxically I needed to talk to more than any of the other students, they were the ones that were least likely to be there. And so, I mean, these are the kids that, that are sharing devices or are, you know, they have part time jobs to support mom and dad who are, you know, a family member who might be laid off. And so, Having, I used to, I, instead of having online classes, I would just have times that I would be available. I would call them hangouts. 
And if kids had questions about their work, they could get in contact with me. And if I had questions about uh, the, the progress of certain students who tended to be, you know, falling behind, then I would just get in touch with them and try to support them that way. Does attendance actually change when it becomes remote? Because I think before when everyone is at school, it's pretty strict uh, for high schools, right? But in on, online, it's kind of difficult. Yeah, there there was really no attendance. Basically, I was looking at uh, making sure kids connected and looked at their assignments once a week. And so we were just providing attendance once a week. And that was sort of our benchmark that we gave to the, the school and the counseling staff so that they know that kids were okay, they were safe, and that they were connected and they had devices. Um, the beauty about online learning is that you don't need a clock, right? I mean, I'm most productive between eight and one o'clock in the morning. It's just how I function. It's where my creative time is. Uh, first thing in the morning, I tend to be a little sluggish until I've had about two or three cups of coffee. But And kids are the same. Like some kids, <laughs> you know, they have a question and they look at the timestamp that's on on their question. It's like 2, 2.30 in the morning. I'm like, what are you doing? You're supposed to be sleeping. For some kids, it's just, you know, procrastinators, I guess. Who knows? Or night owls. Night owls, yeah, or they're just gaming too much. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I got homework tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But does it mean that the students have more flexibility now to choose when they want to do the things? Um, yeah, but I find that having that flexibility, choosing when to do things, means two things. One, it means I have flexibility to not do those things, or it means I have flexibility to say no. I'll do it the night before. I got to come back to in class or in person education. Um, so it, it's, I don't think it's set up for kids. I don't think that, uh, most kids, I don't know. I, for me, when I was young, I wasn't motivated to, to do work. I wasn't, I wasn't really inspired. I needed somebody there telling me you go to do this or you're going to get in trouble. Um, I think that there's the kids that are actually motivated and disciplined and organized enough to stick to that schedule. They're few and far between. I feel like we talked a lot about how the pandemic and the remote learning situation, there's a little bit of struggles and negative things. But uh, I also heard that this creativity that it gave to the teachers, how to kind of change the content, although it's challenging. Was there anything that went surprisingly well for you? I've been impressed uh, with how people have transitioned, especially some of my coworkers who've been, you know, teaching and, and, They've been teaching for 20 or 30 years who were trained in a period of time where they used to use film strips and overhead projectors. I'm not kidding you. Like for them, uh, getting on a computer to do attendance is, is uh, space, age, space age technology. They've got a wealth of skills that I don't have. But at the same time, that ability to you know reinvent what they were doing and to do so with relatively short order and to do so without complaint, by and large, has been pretty remarkable. And so I think we've transitioned from a largely in-person, socially interactive uh, experience providers into all of a sudden now we're, we're content providers for, for you know, online learning. That's, that's a pretty remarkable challenge. And uh, some teachers have done a better job of that than others. But I think at the end of the day, our responsibility is to make positive connections with kids, to make sure that everybody's together and to make sure that we're taking care of one another's mental health at a bare minimum. And if we can get some content down, awesome. That, that's actually a good point because one of the things that you can, how you can take care about your health is sports and physical education. So I was just wondering, like, I can imagine how you transferred your teaching to online, but what about physical education? Like how did that transfer? 
I've got uh, a, a really close friend who's a, a PE teacher and uh, he was creating these awesome challenges where he, he just, he would videotape himself doing something like I'm going to do a hundred sit-ups and he would, he would do it. And it was, it would be like a soundtrack in behind, or he set up like an American Ninja Warrior uh, set up in his backyard and it would just be like a chin-up bar, but he'd do all sorts of crazy, stupid, creative things. And then he would post the video and it would be a challenge. What are you going to do? And so the next person would post something as well. And then it just created this sort of uh, PE meme. It, it was just, it was like hacking what, what kids do now about memes. It's just like, oh, I gotta, I gotta put something together. And it was hilarious, it was funny, and it was all about physical education. But I think the important lesson was, you don't need a classroom, you don't need a gym, you just need a sense of adventure and you need to be physical. In your opinion, what do you think it's, uh, I guess, pros and cons of remote learning? Maybe, uh, maybe not necessarily teaching it, but just remote learning. As a learner, if I was motivated and I see if my students, if they're motivated, it decreases the time in which they have to listen to other people drone on and on. So I, I'm, I'm consciously aware in my class that there are certain kids who just need the nuts and bolts. They just need the assignment. They need to know what's the path of least resistance. I can't, I, they, they don't want to. For, for me, my job is to just basically, okay, here's your assignment, go to work. Um, and that's supporting them in that regard. But um, online learning offers that at its best. Um, it gives kids who are motivated an opportunity to learn. They don't need a teacher. And I think ultimately my job as a teacher and my job as a parent is to be redundant in the lives of my children and in my students. So when my students don't need me anymore, yay, I'm done. I'm good. I'm succeed. I've succeeded. When my kids no longer look at me like, you know, <laughs> that guy that cooks them food and, and provides a, a roof over their head and they just regard me as a friend, that means that I've done my job. And online education, I think, offers that but only for students who are motivated. And um, I think all students are motivated in some capacity, but it's what are they motivated to learn? Video game culture right. teaches us, if my kid is really you know, excited about Roblox, he doesn't need a teacher, he doesn't need a guide. He'll go figure it out himself. Um, if, if my son was really interested, or if one of my students was really interested in, in history, there's there's, everything that the internet has that duplicates whatever I used to have. I, the, the, the teacher of old that had a textbook that they would blow the dust off and say, here kids, here's knowledge I'm about to dispense. It doesn't, that doesn't matter anymore. Content isn't that big a deal as, as a, in, in the teaching profession. It's all about context and it's about how you think and it's about skills. I'm not sure how you, how do you teach those things necessarily online? I haven't figured that out yet. At least not to the same degree that the classroom environment offers. Any tips for uh, online learning for teachers and for kids? <laughs> tips? Oh, you're coming to me for tips for online learning. <laughs> oh, or online teaching uh, online for, for teaching. teachers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just, you know, try to be creative and geeky and I, I think embrace geek culture. Bring on the memes. <laughs> We'll bring on the memes, but but it, it's it, yeah, that at a bare minimum. But just be willing to be ridiculed, be willing to to be a meme because kids how they make uh, meaning when they're doing things online is uh, is is ridicule, and they like to poke fun and they like to be absurd. And I think that if we could model that in our teaching and with some humility, and just try to make positive connections with kids, like hey, how are you doing? Or 
or whatever. Just reinvent what you're doing and find creative ways to to um, to engage with the content. That's the most important part. Any tips for the kids? Um, stay organized. The, the 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 biggest line in the sand that I see between kids who are successful and kids who struggle are just kids who are able to organize. Um, at a bare minimum, an agenda book is really critical. I know in in uh, in our high school, all the kids get one. Um, the kids who naturally pull it out to write down all of their assignments the second that they're assigned, those are the ones that tend to, to perform quite well. And the one universal truth I know about all kids who struggle is, is just they're just not uh, able to organize. I mean, that's that failure to plan from the outset, and it just always you know bites them in the butt. So stay organized on top of due dates, and uh, and everything just sort of takes care of itself. It's it's that simple. Cool. Thanks so much. That was um, a lot of fun. I've loved it. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Dan. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us in this episode. If you like what you heard, be sure to tune in for the next one. And the best way for you to do that is to subscribe and follow our podcast. You can find extra content from our interviews on YouTube and TikTok. Tell us what you think on Discord and Reddit. We are How Real Life Works on all socials. Links are in the description.